Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. We're going to start uh, talking about the names of God. One of the richest fields of revelation that God has given concerning His own being is that which pertains to the names of God. A name in scripture or in the Hebrew culture. Of course, you know, the Hebrew culture speaks to the culture of the Jewish people. When we talk about the Hebrews, we're talking about the Jews. And so a name in the Hebrew culture or in scripture is often significant to the nature of a person. Whether the name be of angels, men, or God. So, for example, the angel which is called Gabriel in the Bible, as we know, is the information officer. And the, the name Gabriel means messenger of God. And if you look carefully in the scripture, he's the one that is responsible for especially the major announcements. So Gabriel was the one that appeared to Mary to announce the birth of uh, Jesus. He was the one that also appeared to Elizabeth. He appeared um, elsewhere in the scriptures, the information person. So what we're saying is that a name is often significant to the nature of the person. So the names of God, as we'll go through some of them tonight, they are significant to God and, and God alone. So um, as we go through them, we will uh, see uh, some of them. The Hebrews say of God and his name that his name is himself and himself is his name, all right? The names of God are basically divided into two groups. First, we have what we call the creatorship, creator and ship at the end, creatorship and or, sorry, the creatorship or Eloistic names of God. And we will come to that in a moment because that's the first set we're going to deal with. So that's the creatorship or the Eloistic names of God. And the second set of names would be the redemptive names or the Jehovahistic names of God. So the redemptive or Jehovahistic names. So Jehovah and then I-S-T-I-C. Jehovahistic names of God. And I don't believe we'll have time to get into the Jehovahistic or redemptive names tonight. So we're going to take the time to um, look at the creatorship or Eloistic names of God. The Eloistic names of God are those names that have to do with the relationship of God with his creation or creature. So Elohim is the plural of El, E-L, and speaks of the plurality of divine persons in the Godhead. Elohim speaks to not just plurality of names, but plurality of divine persons in the Godhead. It specifically deals with God. Nothing else as it relates to man has uh, anything to do as, with the, the interpretation of the name or the meaning of the being uh, speaking to mankind. So uh, when we talk about the Eloistic names, when you use the name L-E-L, -E -L, 
it is used as a what we call a compound name and it is generally associated or used to show some power or attribute of god in relation to his creation or creature in other words uh in the old testament especially whenever someone had a name with el in there l that was intentional it meant that what they were doing was linking that person with god so to speak uh, it's a way of saying we are covenanting you with god and so the eloistic names are names that have el as a part of um, the name so uh, people name their children with those names with 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 l in there but none is like um god the, it's like almost as a sort of a commitment of the child to god when the el is in the name so for example you would have names like joel rachel um samuel uh, and, and those kinds of names those were intentional considered uh to a certain degree eloistic names now you will understand why although i am not um my my garfield is not an official name that appear on any official document of mine that's the only name that i have that have el so that's why i stick with that one <laughs> so um it is my eloistic name i call it but el um denotes that about a name it's an effort to link the person to Elohim. Now, as I said, these names are called the Elohistic. These names we're about to go into are called the Elohistic or creatorship names because there might be at least one of them that don't necessarily have L in it, but it speaks to the creator, hence Elohistic or creatorship names of God. So the first name that we will look at in the list of the uh, Eloistic names of God is what we mentioned earlier, L, E-L, all right? L means to be strong, powerful, and mighty. Be strong, powerful, and mighty. Now, it is a very interesting use of name here because L is singular, and it, it, it is used and can be used of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. So, especially in the Old Testament and especially in Genesis, there's some of the times when the word Elohim is used and there are other times when El is used. Whenever El is used, it is talking to one, it is speaking to one of the person of the Godhead. All right? So, for example, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, maybe we should read that as a start. Genesis in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, I'm going to um, read a scripture that, that you all know, but let us see one of the occasions on which El is used in the Hebrew here. It says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit, now notice that um, that word spirit starts with a capital S, so it is not talking about just any normal spirit. It is talking about the Holy Spirit. And the word that is used there, the Spirit of God, the word that is used there is the word El. If you were to read it in the Hebrew, it is the word El because it is speaking to one of the person 
of the Godhead. Okay, so uh, L is used there. And then we're going to read another scripture uh, in, in a little while here in, in, in Isaiah chapter 7. But just take note of that because there are different places in the Bible that Elohim is used and El is used. We'll go into Elohim in a while. Um, and people might, if they read it in the original, uh, they might get a little concern as to why this is used, why that is used. As I said before, El is singular and is speaking to one of the person of uh, the Godhead. And as we saw in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, it speaks to the Holy Spirit, who is one of the person of the Godhead. And so we have another scripture uh, coming up in uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. And this is a particularly interesting. We will go some more into it when we talk about the doctrine of Christ. But interestingly, the name that Jesus was given in the Old Testament was the name Emmanuel. Notice that it has E-L on the end too. So it, it was intentional uh, as it relates to him uh, being Eloistic. So verse 7, uh, 14, sorry. Isaiah 7 verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that, that's very, very um, important because what that is saying is that, hey, he is as linked to the goddess even in name as you can get. All right. So it's not uh, someone from somewhere else coming up here to do anything. This is Emmanuel. And remember, uh, in other place, it tells us that Emmanuel actually means God with us. We're going to read in a while one more scripture on this, just to make this point. Um, another scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter. But, you know, this, this name Emmanuel is used in different places and um, have different languages, have different uh, meaning or not meaning, different names for Emmanuel. But at the end of the day, it is speaking about linking to Elohim and uh, God with us. I was over in Botswana and there was a young man over there that uh, his parents are from Zambia. So they call him Taunga. I asked, what's the meaning of that name? And they said, well, Taunga is the word in Bemba, which is the language they speak in uh, Zimbabwe. It's the word in Bemba for Emmanuel. But at the end of the day, when we check the meaning, it still means uh, the same thing as it relates to God with us or uh, linking it to Elo. So look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 9. And uh I wanted to read this scripture for a, a, a reason. It says, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. You know, I know we're not going into this part of it, but I want you to know that that word government there is not talking about the governments of the world. It's not talking about 
the PNP or GLP or Democrats or Republican government. That's not what it is talking about at all. It's, it's talking about the government of the kingdom of heaven. So it is saying the government of the kingdom of heaven, uh, the responsibility of the government of the kingdom of heaven will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be upon Jesus' shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Again, the word El is used here to describe the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, the, the Jehovah's Witness jump into the scripture and they will tell you that, well, he is a mighty God, but he's not almighty God. That is not true and has absolutely no foundation. Because if if you read the text properly in the Hebrew, it is because of the word that was used, El, why it gave that definition. Because remember, we said earlier that El means mighty God. So it is just given the definition of the word that was used. So he is almighty God. He, he, but look at the other one. It says he's everlasting father. Well, if he's everlasting father, that means he is almighty God. Because remember, everlasting means having no beginning or ending. So it is not separating Jesus here on a lower level from the father. God. It's not true at all. The Muslims pick out things from here too and say, well, he's prophet Jesus and he's on the same level as Muhammad because, you know, they're not saying Jesus is not a prophet, but Muhammad was a prophet too and both Muhammad and Jesus were equal. Not true. Because right here, it is saying that Emmanuel, El, is the everlasting father. He's, he's not just a prophet. He's the everlasting father and the prince of peace and look at verse 7 to cap something here it says of the increase of his government of his government so whose government is it his so that means if it's his government that means he is the, the king he, he is the boss of the government so it's not just talking about a prophet or someone who work with the government of his government and peace there shall be no end he is the head of the government of the kingdom of god and upon his kingdom well there shall be no peace no end upon the throne of david and upon his kingdom to order it to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will Perform. So this is L, uh, where, where God is referred to in the singular because it was just talking of Jesus or Emmanuel. Right? So the next name that we will look at is the name Elohim. It's one that some of you are more familiar with, Elohim. And um, Elohim speaks to the plurality of divine persons, all right? Elohim speaks to the plurality of divine persons. So El speaks singular to referring to any one person of the Godhead, but Elohim speaks to all three in one. So it's the plurality of divine persons. It 
Elohim is used about 2,500 times in the Old Testament. And the very first place it is used is the very first chapter of very first verse of the Bible. And we're going to read Genesis 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God, and that word God right there is Elohim. In the, in the Hebrew, it is Elohim. So it's the plurality of the divine persons, the Godhead that created the heaven and the earth. While it was the Holy Spirit that moved upon the face of the waters in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, what it is saying from verse 1 um, is that it was the plurality of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that uh, gave birth to creation, that created this earth, this world that we live in. So Elohim speaks to the plurality of uh, the, the, the Godhead. And interestingly, another place, just for mention, we don't won't read this part because we have uh, um, maybe about 14 names to go through. So we're going to have to move through at pace, so to speak. But um, another place that Elohim is used was when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush. And I find this very, very interesting. Now you will understand why Moses could not look. Now you would understand the extent of um, the presence that was in that burning bush. Not only that, you would also see the importance to the kingdom of God of Israel coming out of Egypt because it was necessary, God found it necessary that the entire Godhead, Elohim, would show up to talk to Moses about that uh, situation. Number three is going to be El Elyon. It's one of them that we also are, would be familiar with. And El Elyon means the most high God, all right? El Elyon speaks to the most high God. So we, we have a scripture here from Psalm that we're going to read as it relates to that, but he's not just in the high places, but he is the most high God. Psalm 78 verse 56, it says, Yet they tempted and provoked the most high God. The, uh, in the Hebrew, El Elyon is what is used there. And kept not is testimonies. That's serious right there to, to tempt <laughs> El Elyon. He's the most high God. I mean, awesome power. It is better for us to work with him than to uh, tempt him. Then number four, we have El Bethel. Right, El Bethel. Last Sunday, we I said something on Bethel. Bethel. Bethel is the house of God or the meeting place. And so, when we talk about El Bethel, we're talking about God of the house of God or the God of the house of God. So, as I said, Bethel means the house of God. El means God. So it is God of the house of God. And we will read one scripture just to uh, support uh, Hel Bethel. Genesis 31. Listen. So let's read verse 13. 
I am the God of Bethel. All right. So it says, I am the God of El Bethel. So in other words, you could say El Bethel um, for, for that whole sentence. Because God is El. It to speak into God in, in the singular here. And it is saying, I am the God of El Bethel. So El Bethel means God of the house of God. I am the God of Bethel. Sorry, I'm the God of Bethel, where thou anointed uh, the pillar and where thou uh, bowest a vow unto me. Now arise, get thee out from this land and return unto the land of thy kindred. So you will find in scripture that Bethel is often referred to as a, a meeting place, uh, uh, the house of God. And El Bethel means God of the house of God. Number five is El Roy, El Rohi, R-O-I, all right, El Roy. And that means the God that sees. We talk about the omniscient, omniscient one. This is also a part of that old um, family. El Rohi, the God that sees. And Genesis chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 will give us scripture reference to El Roi. All right, so 13 and 14. I'll just bring it over uh, for me here. But um, it's good to serve El Roi. Um, that's how you can have insights and see even things that are ahead and be able to plan for it. it you know, it is said that a good leader sees things coming in the distance and solve it before it arrives. But how you see the things coming in the distance? By being in relationship with El Roy. He sees and he will show you things ahead. And she called the name of the, uh, of the Lord that spoke uh, spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? So, uh, just a little background to the story. This is the story when Agar was kicked out by Sarah, and uh, she really was left out in the cold, so to speak, and she was weeping. She didn't know her next move, and God appeared to her in the capacity of El Roi, saying, I am the God who sees. Wherefore, the well was called Be'er la, la, la Rohi. All right? Behold, it is between Kadesh and Mary. Now, I want to say to you tonight that some of you might be in some situation that you just can't understand certain dynamics that are working in your life or working against you. You can't understand why certain things are happening and all of that. You probably didn't even do anything to be in this situation. It's not like it's a consequence of some action of yours. I am saying that El Roy, the God who sees, is not absent. He sees the situation. And I want to remind you that God doesn't judge us like uh, men judge us. So he's saying, hey, I want you to stay strong because I see. There's a song I think they sing about Jehovah see, Jehovah knows. And you just have to hold on to that fact 
that truth in your life right now that Jehovah sees. And that remember, every season is temporary. And El Rohi will take you through that situation. Uh, Agar was just working as Abraham's helper. Probably never even, wasn't even interested in Abraham. But she was brought in the picture because Sarah couldn't bear children. And they said, maybe this is the road to go. And then she's kicked out and she's saying, but I didn't do anything. But why am I in this situation? God appeared to her in the capacity of El. Right. Number six, El Shaddai. El Shaddai is God Almighty or God All-Sufficient. Right? God Almighty or God uh, All-Sufficient. We're going to read Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 for El Shaddai. And be sure when you pray at times, be free to, to call these names. Say, God, you are my El Shaddai. And so I'm depending on, thank you for revealing yourself as El Shaddai in my life. Because I'm in this situation where the ordinary um, powers won't do. I need the Almighty to manifest himself in my life. So when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abraham. And said unto him, I am the almighty God. I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect. So remember at this stage now, Abraham was still believing God. He, he's supposed to be a father of many nations. And things are just building up. He's getting to the place here where he's going to offer up uh, Isaac on Mount Moriah and Things are in that stage where he's still learning God. And on this occasion, God showed himself to him as El Shaddai. In other words, the, the journey is great, but understand that I'm God Almighty. And when you walk according to my direction, it's not your might that is making things happen, but it is God Almighty. El Shaddai. Oh, yes. He's El Shaddai in all Iceland. Number seven is that he is El Olam. Some of you may have never heard this one before. Olam, O-L-A-M. And that is God the Everlasting. El Olam is God the Everlasting. Or it also means eternity of being. And the scripture comes to you from Genesis chapter 21, verses and Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And the word used there in the Hebrew, the everlasting God, is El Olam. All right? So just like Abraham called on El Olam, you can also call on him. In fact, you are on, in a better position because you're living in a better covenant, on, on better promises. And if Abraham in the Old Testament could call on El Olam, then you should do that too. In fact, I, I recommend to you highly that from time to time, you walk through your house early in the morning, take time off. You probably can't, don't want to go into the different rooms where people are sleeping. But you 
have the opportunity to walk and declare El Olam, declare El Shaddai. The scripture is Genesis 21, verse 33. El Olam. Genesis 21, verse 33. All right? We, we read it already. All right? Genesis 21, verse 33. Number eight. Number eight. This is an interesting one. Uh, maybe some of you would have heard it before. Maybe some have not heard it before. But it, it is El Elohi Israel. E-L-O-H-E. El Elohi. E L E L O H E. El Elohi Israel. And it means God or mighty is the God of Israel. Mighty is the God of Israel. The scripture is 33, Genesis 30, uh, 33, verse 20. Verse 20. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohi. Israel. Put up that scripture a little bit for me. It's bottom part. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, let's just read um, what we have here. And he erected there. All right. Again. All right. So it, it's the, the reference is Genesis 33, verse 20. And uh, you have the opportunity where you can read that and follow through on it um, for yourself. 33, verse 20. El Elohi Israel. And huh? All right. so that's about the scripture actually. He erected there an altar and called the name El Israel. So actually the full name is there. And what it means is mighty is the God of Israel. All right. So uh, that's one you can maybe look into some more. Uh, the next one is number nine. That's we're talking about the Eloistic or creatorship names of God here uh, in the Bible. And uh, we have 14 of them. Number nine is Eloah. Uh, I hope I got that pronunciation right. It's E-L-O-H. E-L-O-H. And it means the one God. All right. It means the one God. And uh, we have a scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 32 verses uh verse 15 i think and um we will take that one but Je jeshuram waxed fat and 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 kick though and kick thou art waxen fat thou art um grown thick thou art covered with fatness then he forsook god which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation and the word actually used there this one of the places is um the word eloah and i want to re give you another scripture for that one um just to ensure uh we we cover that adequately is daniel chapter 2 verse 11. in fact let's read that one daniel chapter 2 verse 11. daniel 2 verse 11. could you read that for all right and it is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it before the king, except the gods, whose dwelling is not with flesh. Let's read that again. And it is a rare king, sorry, rare thing. Yes. It is a rare thing that the king requires, and there is none other that can 
uh, shew it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Now, um, Eloah is um, that name that is almost similar to, to, to El, E-L. And it speaks to um, not, not just God singular, but while El speaks to singular and Elohim speaks to um, plural, Eloah is really speaking to the plurality as one. That's all we're really talking about. Number 10 is El Gibor, G-I-B-B-O-R, El Gibor, all right, El Gibor. And that means the mighty or great God, the mighty or great God. And in fact, we go back now to um, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, because this is also one of the words that was our name that was used in that chapter, verse 6. So unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. It's also one of the words, along with El by itself, um, El Gibar is also used in that uh, scripture as a part of the, the, the context here, talking about the great God. Uh, and, and the mighty God. For just reference purpose, you can also read Jeremiah 32, verse 18 to 19. It's also another portion there. We're not going to read that tonight. Uh, number 11 is Elohim Elion. It's, it's a combination of names that is also there in the Bible. Elohim Elion. I know we don't use some of them today. We're not quite familiar, but the fact that we're going through the names, I want to put all of them there in terms of the Eloistic names and give you so that if you ever come upon them, you could relate to them uh, some way. If you ever, you're reading through the Bible or reading through a book or someone mentioned them, then at least you would have some sort of understanding of what they're about. So uh, El Elohim Elion, it means God the most high. And may I say God plural here, the most high. So in sometimes the Bible might talk about um, the most high and it might be referring to one of the person of the Godhead. But El Elohim Elion is talking about plural God, the most high. And Psalm 91 verse 1 to 2 is our main scripture for that. It's a scripture that you know and uh, from time to time, but probably never understood the base of it in terms of where the Hebrew word uh, or the Hebrew word that is used. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. So um, the, 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 the name used there is Elohim Elion. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high. The most high there is talking about the Elohim most high. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Again, that my God is Elohim. So it is talking about the plurality of, of the divine Godhead there. 
So when we dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, all right, it is important to understand that it's not ordinary happenings. You are under divine protection. So sometimes when you think you have near misses and all that, no, it is Elohim that is working on your behalf. And nobody is able to come against El, any one of person of the Godhead, but more so Elohim. So the Bible is saying, man, when you dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, you have the protection of Elohim, Elion. So that means that's somewhere we should, we should dwell. That's somewhere we shouldn't visit. Notice it didn't say those who visit the secret place, you know, enjoy Elohim, Elion. It says he who dwells there. So morning by morning, God expects to meet you. And not just morning, but as you continue through the day, you continue into the, in that place. You might not be worshiping, but you have to stay in that place, that secret place where you are connecting with the heart of God. And when you stay in that place, you are going to see the manifestations of Elohim, Elion on your behalf. All right, here's one, um, number 12. As I said before, we did say these names are the creatorship or Eloistic names. And I did make mention at the outset that the reason why creatorship is also used there is because there might be, there is at least one name that don't have L in there, but speaks to the creatorship of Almighty God. And here is one, uh, Adon, Adon or Adonai. All right. Again, just like El and El Elyon, Adon means one, singular. But Adonai speaks to the plurality of the God, Godhead. So um, Adon, there are places where you, in the Greek, you'll find Adon. Sorry, in the Hebrew, you'll find where they use Adon. A-D-O-N, and it is speaking to one person of the Godhead. So it means owner or owners, depending on whether or not Adon or Adonai is used. Adon would mean owner, Adonai, owners, because Adonai is speaking to Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Adon would be speaking to any one of them. So it speaks to um, owner or owners, master or masters and one scripture that we use uh, that is used for that is psalm 24 verse 1 it says the earth is the lord's and that word lord it, there is speaking to adonai so the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell there therein so in other words god owns it God owns the earth. That's what it is saying. The, the plurality of the divine Godhead owns the earth. Now, this is interesting because this is why when you come to God and say something like, all to Jesus, I surrender. You're saying, I surrender to Adonai. You know, he's owner and he's master, but Sometimes we go our own way and all that kind of stuff. But now I am surrendering all to you. Now, when you surrender all to Adonai, to your master, are you 
owner, that means you can't then get up tomorrow and do your own thing. You can't then get up tomorrow and make decision to move and go live in England and did not consult him because you don't own yourself. That means any decision that you're going to take in your life, you need to consult him if he's, he is your owner, if he's your master. We, we make so many decisions sometimes and um, don't bother to consult God. We just ask him to stop this, please. God, I'm, I'm moving to Europe tomorrow. Please stamp this. No, you can't do that because you're not the owner. You're not the master. You have to consult him. Now, there's an interesting story. Just before we move on here, let me point this out to you. There's an interesting story in, in Genesis chapter 22 where Abraham went to offer Isaac in Mount Moriah on the altar of sacrifice. And the Bible says that Abraham was asked to offer Isaac as a burnt offering. Now, there are about five different types of offerings, special offerings in Israel. And the burnt offering is particularly special because the burnt offering, one, was the only offering that a non-Israelite could offer, which means God has always intended that whether Israelites or not, you could come and surrender all to him. The second thing about the burnt offering that I want to point out is that the burnt offering was the only offering where um, the, the, the animal, whatever was being sacrificed, was burnt to ash. It was totally consumed on the altar of sacrifice. None was left for the priest to consume. Other offerings, the priest would eat this part and that part and make certain sacrifices. But the burnt offering was one where the entire offering was totally consumed to ash, indicating the, um, the total surrender of the worshiper to Almighty God. So when Abraham was going up to Mount Moriah to offer up Isaac, he was going with the intention to do a burnt offering, which means he was going to offer Isaac, burn him totally as ash. And when Abraham got up there, God saw Abraham's heart, that Abraham was ready to give everything because that's what a burnt offering represented. So Abraham, when God, Abraham took the knife, God saw him that he was ready to put everything on the altar of sacrifice. Trust in God. Because remember, you know, that all Abraham's future, all that God had said to Abraham was now hanging on the life of Isaac. Abraham's part was finishing the covenant. The rest of the covenant was hanging on the life of Isaac. But yet Abraham, in obedience to God, was saying, God, I give you everything. And it was at that point that God revealed himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh. In other words, when you get to a place where you can give God everything, then you can also expect God's best. I read a book one time about my utmost for his highest. Sometimes we want God's best. We want to experience the Jehovah Jireh power of God, but we are not prepared to give God best. It don't work like that. So Adonai means that he's master, he's owner, and he can make certain requirements of you that others can't make, and you have an obligation to meet those requests. Number 13 is 
Elohim Saboath. All right, Elohim Saboath, S-A-B-O-A-T-H. And that means God of host, God of host. Psalm 80, verse 7, and, and read verse 14. Turn, 7, turn us again, O God of host, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall save. So he is the God or the Lord of hosts. Now, before we read verse 4, read verse 4 host is he talking? He's talking about host of the armies of God, of angels' army. So he is the Lord of hosts. It, in other words, he's the captain of the host. What I'm saying to you is that, listen, if we begin to understand who we are in God and the covenant that we have in God with God, we understand that, hey, you know, we can bring God on the scene of our circumstances any day. And God will bring any host of his that is necessary or any part of the host to get the job done. When the host of God turn up, then there's nothing that's going to be able to stand in the way. Verse 14 says, return, we beseech thee, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and behold and visit this fire. He commands the host of heaven. The Bible says the Lord of hosts is with us. And it's, it's so very important that we understand that because you know, religion has taught us that we are the army of God. We sing them songs like God as an army marching through the sand. And we, we get the impression that we are the army. But Really, you are not the army. The, the army is the host of heaven that fight on your behalf. Because remember that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when that warfare is going on, we can do our part on earth by praying in tongues and speaking the word and all that kind of stuff. But it is really the host of the heaven, the angelic host that is fighting on our behalf. That's the army. And so as uh, the more we get that, the more we understand that when we put on like the breastplate of righteousness and those things that are here on earth, it is not really protecting us. What it is doing is protecting the angels that are fighting on your behalf. So if you are wearing your breastplate, it covers them. If you are wearing your helmet, it covers them. There's a whole uh, affair, a whole um, host of activities that is taking place out there in the heavenlies. And if God was to open our eyes, that we would just get a, a peep into the realm of the spirit. We would see that there are more angels and demons um, out there than their human beings. And the, the spiritual realm is far more active than the realm of uh, the natural. So we have to continue to remember that he is the Lord of hosts. He is the omnipotent one. This is actually linked to uh, him being omnipotent, all-powerful. And so he is working on our behalf. And we need to allow him to work because there's some things that we try to do, but we really are incapable of doing it if we allow the Lord of hosts.
to work on our behalf will get much better results. That is why, just like he said to Jehoshaphat, the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. Number 14, the last of the creatorship, Eloistic names of God that we will look at tonight is Emmanuel. It is the big one. It's God with us. And we have two scriptures that we're going to read starting at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And we're actually going to pick up on this when we go into the doctrine of Christ. Because when we get there, we're going to show you a distinction between Jesus and Christ. And, uh, and show you from, from, from scripture also, um, because it is Emmanuel out of the, the, the Old Testament, um, according to the Old Testament name, that um, the Bible said, According to the prophecy of Isaiah, Emmanuel that came be with us. And it speaks to Christ. But as I said, we will get into that in a little bit more when we get into the doctrine of Christ. But Isaiah 7 verse 14, we're going to get that one. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. So in other words, it was now watered-down version of God that was with us. It was indeed as full of God as you can get. In fact, that is why we share and say that Jesus was a 100% man, and he was a hundred percent God. He was on earth. And that is why some of the folks couldn't understand him when he speak, because sometimes he would speak something, some things that identify himself as, as God, as eternal. And they couldn't deal with that because they say, We know you as Joseph's son. You're your carpenter boy. How come you're trying to make yourself equal with God? Let's look at Matthew chapter one verse 21 to 23. Now, as we read these scriptures, I want to remind you that going through the Bible doctrine might not be the most exciting um, teachings that you have ever heard because it's about foundation. It's about putting in foundation as a believer that you can confidently sit down with any Muslim or other religion and have a conversation knowing exactly where you stand. So it's not about, you know, getting into your emotions and stirring you up and all of that. It's about putting in foundation as a believer that you will be anchored in God. Uh, verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall conceive, and uh, bring forth, and shall bring forth, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, 
God with us. That's Emmanuel. And so um, Jesus was as authentic a God, as authentic God as you can get. It's not, what I'm saying to you is that he was not merely a prophet or just a mighty God. He was God. And the covenant names of God bear that out. Because um, when you understand the names, you, you'll understand that the nature of the name speak to God himself. So we can be confident that the God that we serve is awesome. He is almighty. He is El Shaddai. He is um, El Bethel. He is Elohim Elion. You can call upon him in any one of these capacities, capacity and he will show up and demonstrate his power in your life. Many of us have experienced God in many, many of these areas and God wants to reveal himself in so much more of these areas to you in your personal life. All he's asking you to do is to pursue it. Remember what Matthew said, seek him and you will find him. If you seek, you will find. Seek don't mean that you pray for five minutes a day because you're on a rush. No, that's not how you seek. I mean, if you are supposed to travel uh, somewhere on Saturday of this week and you realize you can't find your passport, but you know it is at home, you're not just going to look into a jacket pocket and um, then go sleep and go watch TV because you can't find it. No, if Friday comes and you don't find that thing, man, you maybe take the day off from work because you're searching the place to find it. You're seeking. That's how you seek. If, you, if you're seeking the kingdom and seeking God, you've got to go the extent. You, you've got to put the work in. You have to plug in. You have to press in. You have to find time to explore. And if you seek him, you will find him. So the only reason why some people don't experience him or what would call find him in that sense is because you're not seeking him. You know, sometimes we get to the place where we just want things to happen. You're just sitting down and God just appear and reveal his fullness to you. No, you've got to seek. I mean, Cornelius in, in Acts chapter 10, the Bible said he was a man who feared God and prayed to God always. So when God spoke to Peter about going to Cornelius' house and all that experience, it's not something that happened out. Cornelius was seeking. In fact, the word seek in, in the New Testament, like in Matthew where it says, seek and you shall find, it, it means the, the proper translation there is seek and keep on seeking. So if you keep seek and keep on seeking, you're going to experience different dimensions of God. And I believe some of those experiences are beckoning this year, this calendar year. So let's set ourselves at that place to receive from God. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and ensure you have a great day.